Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Youth Our Own, a show taking you through journalism and important topics in the world of the media. I'm Misha and I'm joined as always by Sophie. Hi everyone. And today we're talking about coverage in the media of disability with the wonderful Rachel Charlton Daly. Hi. Rachel is a freelance journalist and disability activist. She's had bylines in HuffPost, Metro, Stylist and Healthline. She's also the editor and founder of The Unwritten. So Rachel, do you want to tell us a bit more about yourself, what you do, how you got started in the media industry and your motivations within it? Hi, I'm, um, so as you just said, I'm a freelance journalist. I started out as a blogger when I was 20, so about 10 years ago now. It's a little bit longer than that. I'm 32 next week. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, I started out because I'd recently been diagnosed with a load of different illnesses and I didn't really know where I want to go with my life. I knew that I couldn't. I was originally a nursery nurse and because I had a lot of immune system problems I knew that I couldn't carry on doing that and I knew that I wanted to be a writer but I didn't know how I could do that so I started off as a blogger and that led to me starting to write on other people's website and eventually that got picked up I mean I say eventually it's taken a long time but then five years ago I got picked up I got picked up by Metro um somebody at somebody at Metro asked me if I wanted to start writing for them and it's gone from there really uh, and I write mostly about disability, but I also write about reproductive issues, uh, social justice issues, anything that gets me angry and that I'm passionate about, to be honest. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're so excited to talk to you. And this is a subject that, as you said, it's an issue clear to you, but it's also a very important discussion about the broader media and the way that coverage of disability is talked about. So to sort of start off in a broader sense, in your view, how is the coverage of these topics by mainstream news outlets? And what do you think of the approaches towards stories relating to disability? I think it's getting better, but it's still not good enough. So a lot of the time when you hear discussions of disability, you're at the two extremes. So it's either, look how inspiring this little disabled kid is. He's doing a big marathon all for charity. Or at the other end of the scale, it's this poor disabled person can't walk and they can't live their life. There's no in-between, you know, there's no disabled people just living their lives or disabled people doing unremarkable things and that needs to change you know and like and the way we're spoken about as well what either poor unfortunates who are bound to a wheelchairs bed bound or were these amazing inspiring beings and it's boring <laughs> it gets boring <laughs> it gets really boring and then at the same time like as a, as a writer and somebody who actively is trying to change the industry it gets really it gets really draining like having to having to try and change the way you're writing so realizing that you're only going to get published if you write heart-wrenching things or having to assess whether the thing that's important to you and the thing about your life is going to be classed as newsworthy enough that week Yeah, that certainly sounds like an incredibly frustrating experience as well. So what do you think, I guess, how do you think this can change? And how can journalists and news organisations help drive that change that evidently really needs to happen? Employ more disabled people. 
they need to get more more disabled people in the newsrooms you know because there's such a fundamental like gap in journalists who are freelance writers and journalists who are actively in the newsrooms every day and you can t- you can tell when you read an article if the if the article is written by a disabled person or not because the language is just so different like it's, it's something that's so small but it's something as small as person with disabilities a disabled person wouldn't write that they'd write disabled person and it, it's something just so it, I mean it probably sounds silly to people who aren't disabled but that's just not how we would describe ourselves and it's just something that we can pick up straight away and it's those tiny little microaggressions that people think don't matter that change the way we're viewed you know and, uh, and and little things like bound to a wheelchair, like I mentioned. And, and, and also, it's not just disabled writers, it's disabled editors as well, because disabled editors will hire disabled writers. Because some of the best editors I write for are disabled editors, and they know the nuances that you need to be able to effectively write these stories without making them, like inspirational or making them clickbait and that that's what needs to change you know we need we need lessons on language especially I think I, I'd love to talk to you more about the use of language that you've picked up because as you say the a particular use of word turn of phrase can impact the way that the story is framed and the way that mm-hmm. the person who's a subject story is written about mm-hmm. so I'd like to ask why are these particular phrases, uh, to use the example before, person with disabilities versus disabled person, why is it important to use the particular phrases? And do you think that the correct language and the more accurate language is being more commonly adopted in publications? Yes and no. I think editors are starting to make an effort and they are starting to learn, but it is taking getting the disabled people in there to make the language known, which that's what was going to happen, you know, like how are you supposed, how are people, people are not going to just know this by themselves. You've got, sometimes you've got to be the educators, no matter how exhausting it is. The difference between person with disabilities and disabled person is that, is this whole notion of that we should be ashamed of being disabled. And it, it comes, it, it's in the same territory as non-disabled people not liking to use the word disabled, like special abilities and differently abled and stuff like that. You know, like it, it's skirting around the issue of just saying disabled person because at the end of the day, it, it's part of our lives. You know, we're not, we're not bothered. We're not bothered what you call us. Like when it comes, you can say disabled, you know, but by saying, oh, that's a person with a disability, it's it's specifically pointing it out and making a point. Whereas by saying disabled person, it's just like, ah, disabled person over there. It's 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 those small little things, you know, that, that makes, I think, like I say, it doesn't make sense to people who are not in that situation. It's sort of the same. It would be the same as saying that's a person with blackness. It's just never a thing you would ever think to say, you know, <laughs> it's just an absurd thing I don't know I just I'm saying it now and I'm like "Ah." but then inside it means a lot to me because it's something that I've dealt with all my life no I do think that makes a lot of sense and obviously it you know reflects how people then think about disability Mm -hmm. in a wider context as well so your point on saying that we need more disabled people in newsrooms and more disabled editors how do you think that can be achieved in terms of how can the journalism industry 
generally become more inclusive to disabled journalists and be made more accessible to them? Well, the pandemic's been really great in the sense that jobs have become more flexible. So people are able to work from home and that is, that's really great for disabled people. However, we need to keep that and we need to let people work from home all the time because there's this whole thing that newsrooms have got to be constantly in the office. But the pandemic has showed that newsrooms have been working amazingly virtually for over a year now. And for some reason, I'm still seeing jobs that say we're still based in London because they've got to be ready to go back to the newsroom as soon as possible. When that's been proven that that's not the case, that's not like they've been working and that is going to exclude the disabled people again. So for the industry to become more inclusive, you've got to allow people to work in situations that work for them because a lot of people can't set desks for like eight, ten hours a day. I couldn't do that. A lot of people work best when they're sat at home in comfortable positions that are best for them, you know, like desk working is just outdated and companies need to realise that or they're going to lose a lot of talent that doesn't necessarily fit the narrative of straight-laced business people just because they'd rather that they can keep an eye on people 24-7. It's clear that the, as you say, the way that it's opened up for people to have even more opportunities online, it can only be an improvement as it allows for these opportunities for disabled people. One thing that I'm curious to talk about in the in the topic of coverage of these subjects is, do you feel there is a difference between the coverage that's received regarding visible versus invisible disabilities? So someone who is uh, in a wheelchair, for example, or for someone who has either a mental illness or a different uh, disability that isn't as easily noted. Do you think the coverage and the sort of framework of those conversations are different or do you feel like they're more similar in those regards? I feel like we definitely see more visible disability uh, coverage, probably just because it's that, you know, it's, it's visible, so it's easier for people to cover, like, in the mainstream media. We're getting a lot more stories, on voice stories, of people telling their experiences of both. But at the same time, like, uh, the mainstream media still focuses on things that are easy sells. So that is the easy sell of something that is easy to explain, such as a visible disability. Whereas I find a lot of the time when people see in, when people are told about an invisible disability, there's a lot more leeway to cast doubt on, oh, is she, has she really got that? Or is she just lying about it? Which I can see why they want to edge away from that because they, they, ne- they can never tell how the audience are going to perceive that. But they shouldn't be worried about that. So they should, they should be protecting the people and they should just... They should be protecting the people by making sure that the frameworks are in place, you know? Like, they shouldn't be worried about whether or not people are going to perceive these things as it's invisible so it doesn't exist they should be putting more information out there because the information isn't out there when it comes to different disabilities they're just focusing on there's a lot of coverage of all of the same sort of disabilities uh you know there's 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 some disabilities that are like you hate to say these things but you know like the popular disabilities like things like the ones that are always covered and then there's things that are known as obviously there is rare disabilities but there are things that are the lesser covered disabilities and, and there's a reason there's the lesser covered disabilities because they're harder to cover and that really needs to change but at the same time I was diagnosed with lupus in 2005 and I'd never heard anything about it 
now they, they talk about it every year on Lupus Awareness Month and Lupus Awareness Day, which are different things because there's a different day in this country to what's. World Lupus Day is May. Uh, Lupus Awareness Month is October in this country. So they always cover it on TV, which I've never seen like for the first five years of when I was diagnosed. But it's always very small coverage. It's never the same as the big as the big scene disabilities because it, there's always room for misinterpretation, which they shouldn't be avoiding. It's really difficult. And that's something that I want to make sure people know about. And that's the reason that I talk about my disabilities as much as I can. And that's why we need to have people talking about their disabilities so that people know as much about them as possible and they're not afraid to ask questions about them. Yeah, that is definitely hugely important in breaking down the stigmas around disability. So you do a lot of work around this with the unwritten. Can you talk to us a bit about the publication, kind of why you wanted to start it, what its purpose is and what you cover in it? So I started the unwritten during uh well, it was during lockdown, which obviously we're still in, but I was seeing just how much my community was being ignored and how much we needed a voice, especially during this time. So I wanted to give us a voice to talk about not only our own experiences of the really tough time we were going through, but just our experiences in general, because I was seeing just how hard it was to get things commissioned both as myself and for my uh for my disabled fr- my disabled writer friends just anything that wasn't to do with not only things to do with coronavirus and disability but anything that wasn't to do with the hot topics of the moment so just general health stuff was just really hard to be commissioned by the mainstream media because there was only one topic worth talking about and we were basically just being told that our lives weren't newsworthy anymore unless they had an amazing inspirational hook such as this person is running miles and miles on their prosthetic feet whilst their charity collapses or uh, this disabled person is dying of hunger so I wanted to give us a voice and I wanted to give us a place to share all these voices and that's why I set up The Unwritten. So we are a place to share all of these things. Nothing's off topic, to be honest. You can talk about anything you want in your life as long as it relates to disability. You can talk about relationships, careers, your sexuality, gender, work. I've just said career, but career and work could be separate things. The things you like, the things you hate, you can have a good rant. Anything as long as it is your authentic voice. And that's why I think people with disabilities are seriously lacking their own authentic voices. Like, isn't going to be filtered to make it sound more heart-wrenching or or given a, a newsy hook, like clickbait or made to appeal to the masses by making them cry a bit. And sometimes we do make each other cry. I mean, I, I have a little happy cry every second day about how amazing it's all been. But my most important thing was funding my amazing writers. I wanted to, because a lot of the time, writers aren't paid enough for their work, especially disabled writers, because you've got a lot of websites that just don't pay their disabled writers what they're worth. So we wanted to do, um, so we went through the crowdfunding route. We could have took ages to launch but I went through the crowdfunding route so we don't always have a lot of money and we don't always publish a lot of things but when we do we publish them. (laughs) 
No, the Emerson is a, definitely a publication worth supporting. It's a wide variety of really fantastic articles, and it's definitely worth checking out. We'll put a link to it in the episode description. And one thing that's immediately notable when you visit the page is the tagline, which is disabled stories, not inspiration. Now, you've talked about the wanting to get away from this idea of stories about disabilities being framed as inspirational stories. You've made that clear on the show, but I'm curious to go into more detail. Why do you think that narrative is harmful and why is it that you've been so eager to move away from it and try and create a different and unique voice in that regard? Because it doesn't make us seem real people. It idolises us, it puts us on a pedestal instead of just making us seem like real people who live our lives. It makes us seem like we've always got to be doing amazing things and you'll read these stories of these people going through awful things and then at the bottom it'll be but she was always smiling and she never complained. And sometimes it's like okay, but she's allowed to complain. Why weren't you letting her complain? She's going through these awful things. Why are you saying she never complained? Like, we don't need to be, we don't need to think of disabled people as these constantly positive forces. If if they can do it, you can do it too, sort of beings. We're just normal people who want to live our lives. At the end of the day, yes, we've got these disabilities, but... We just want to be able to live our lives, you know. And the disabilities are not what are stopping us. It's society that is stopping us. Like, somebody in a wheelchair isn't stopped from being able to climb stairs because they're in a wheelchair. It's the stairs that are stopping them from being able to climb the stairs, you know. Like, the inspiration is just... It's just completely misplaced. So we need to get better at making making society better as opposed to putting disabled people on a pedestal. It's, oh, it's exhausting. More than anything, it's absolutely exhausting. <laughs> I think beyond that, obviously, it's also just incredibly infuriating, mm-hmm. I'm sure, because as you say, that's not what it's about. And it is not the disabled person, it's the society and the world built around them that needs to change. And that is the problem, I guess. So, in terms of journalism how can journalists who aren't disabled help kind of provide spaces for disabled people disabled journalists and how can the people who are there now support disabled writers in getting into the newsrooms and also make sure their coverage is appropriate and representative in a better way than it is currently um I think non-disabled journalists need to realise that this story isn't always theirs to tell. I get that you're assigned stories and stuff, but ask for advice. Speak to disabled people if you're unsure about language and stuff. We're happy to help you on language and there's there's so many resources that you can search. Um, Mencap have some great resources, like that's just one, this charity that has some great resources for talking about disability uh, for journalism. There's lots of other charities, I think Scope does one as well. Talk to disabled people and if you truly think, if you've done that and you still think, okay, this isn't my space, move aside, you know, like you don't always have to write the story, you can give the story to it. If you think there is a better disabled journalist who can write the story, give it to a disabled journalist. If you are an editor and you don't think anybody on your team is disabled who could write this story, put a call out. 
or keep note of of the disabled journalists who are popping up in your inbox, either who you've commissioned before or who you've not commissioned, and get in touch with them if there's a story that you think would suit them that you can't that you uh, don't have anybody on your staff. You know, bring in the disabled journalists. That's the only way. That's the only way the disabled journalists are going to get in in the first place, because we're not getting in at the minute. You know, like we're going to have to get in some way. And if you're already in the position, you can bring us in. In terms of people who are already there, I've covered it in the language and stuff, but just educate yourself, you know, like speak to people, make sure that your circles include disabled people so that you're not just consuming the same views. Make sure that your media you consume includes disabled people, but also LGBTQ people, people of colour. So you have all these views and you have all these opinions so you know yourself when you're writing these things, the correct way to write these things. But most importantly, just sometimes it's not always yours to write, you know, pass the mic sometimes. It's okay to say, I don't know about this thing, but I know somebody who does. I think that's one of the really hard lessons in life that people have to learn. I don't know this, but this person does diversifying the amount of voices and people you listen to will will never be a bad thing so thank you for adding out on that we've talked a lot about the ability to tell people's stories and hear their voices and the importance of that slightly separate from that i want to ask on is the idea of do you feel like when it comes to a lot of mainstream events and discussions and large changes in both news politics and everything really do you think that the voices of disabled people are sufficiently represented or do you worry that they're left out in important discussions regarding change relating to anything ranging from policy or action on the coronavirus pandemic, just to name one example? How do you feel that beyond personal stories that the voices of disabled peoples are represented? That's a tough one because, again, like we're not, in the communities you know, we're not in the companies that we need to be in well until we're in those sort of areas we can't be fully represented and until we're in the until we're in the political uh, chambers until we're in the companies who are making the decisions and coronavirus just to name one you know like they told disabled people lock yourselves up for 12 weeks and the next thing we knew it was six months and we'd not had we don't had any information about it <laughs> You know, like they didn't really, act, they didn't speak to disabled people about this. They didn't give us, they didn't give us a consultation on this. We weren't, I guess that obviously coronavirus is this rapidly expanding thing, but disabled people just feel completely lost in this environment. And we feel it's really lost in healthcare, especially because we've, we don't have a lot of faith in doctors anymore. And we don't have a lot of faith in the government either, because we're very rarely consulted on a lot of things to do with healthcare, housing, benefits, anything like that. So they need to just bring us in and ask us, you know, and they need to they need to elect more people, they need to bring more people into the governing bodies and the, the bodies that are responsible for making the decision. So no, we're not represented yet. We're starting to get there. And you know, they have the voices. Uh, there are people like uh, Baroness Tanny Gray Thompson, who is uh, obviously in the House of Lords now, uh, who does great work. But she's only one person, you know. Like she can't be expected to do all of the work that uh, that needs to be done. Uh, it's it's tough. There are obviously a lot of 
significant issues here that we have to keep unpacking and that's obviously a big part of the media and journalism industry and in amplifying disabled voices but also a broader issue within society that goes much further so just to kind of close us off Rachel what are some of the journalists what are some disabled journalists who are doing really excellent work and who you'd recommend to our audience to follow, check out, engage with? Um, I love uh, Frances Ryan. She's got a column in The Guardian. She's a great journalist. Uh, there's also, um, I'm going to just shout out a couple of my friends because lo- obviously loads of my friends are journalists <laughs> and uh, freelance writers. So there's Hannah Shewan Stevens. She writes a lot about a lot about disability, but she also writes a lot about uh, sexuality and um, how those two intertwine. There's also Shauna Louise. She writes a lot about accessibility uh, she's a great she does some good work there's not necessarily a journalist but she's an activist uh, Amy Kavanagh she uh, runs the staying in pub it's a virtual pub on zoom and she's been doing a lot for the blind community she runs the no just ask don't grab campaign uh, which highlights instances of harassment and assault while she walks around with her cat, with her white cane and her dog. There's Izzy Jenny Friend. She is, she writes a lot about. Uh, she's got cystic fibrosis. She's written a lot about what it's been like in lockdown. And yeah, there's lots more. And basically, just check out everybody who I talk to on Twitter because they're all really great. <laughs> No, those are some wonderful voices and people to check out. So, so thank you so much for going to detail about the people that our listeners should be reading. And thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on and talking to us about the subject. It's been a really interesting learning experience. And I feel like I've suddenly gained a broad understanding. I hope our listeners have as well. If our listeners want to find you and your work, where's the best place to look on social media? Uh, I am Rachel C. Daly on Twitter. The Unwritten is The Unwritten Pub, uh, as in publication, not pub, <laughs> on uh, on Twitter as well. I know I didn't set that up. My deputy editor, Caroline, set that up, forgetting that I am sober. Uh, she set that up. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, on Instagram, I am Rachel underscore is underscore done, spelled D-U-N-N. It's a ridiculous uh, joke on my, uh, my married name. Uh, <laughs> and The Unwritten is theunwritten.co.uk. That's everything you need to know. <laughs> well, we'll definitely have all of those platforms and accounts linked in the episode description. Thank you again so much, Rachel, for kind of starting this really important conversation with us. We hope that it obviously continues and keeps going because it is obviously incredibly important to do that. In terms of use our own, obviously you can find us on all social media as well. If you've liked our episodes, do you subscribe for more and leave us a rating as well if you've got any ideas for any topics you really want us to cover just drop us a message we're always happy to accommodate that thank you so much for listening everyone and you'll hear from us next week bye bye guys thank you